Welcome to Young's Uplifting Expressions with yours truly, Darlene. Motivating, inspiring, encouraging is who I am. And that is what I do. So, to you, I say, get up, get moving, and live. It is time for you to live your life. I'm excited that you are viewing our show on today. I tell you, every week we have great guests, and that's because we do. Last week, we had Apostle Jonathan Davis from West Memphis, Arkansas. And he talked about how the arts in the church has taken off like a missile in their ministry with gifts birthing and coming forth. To go to view his show, to view that particular episode, you may go to e line tv.com. And remember, our podcast platforms are iHeartRadio, Apple, and Spotify. And weekly, I tell you, I enjoy hearing from you. So remember to go to my website at yuexpressions.com. Today, you know, each week I talk about an inspirational note, and I want to talk about the word sow. What are you sowing? What comes to mind when I mention that word sow, a sower? You know, there is a, in Matthew 13, you, you, we've read the stories, some of us have anyway, about the sower and the grounds, the rocky ground, the stony ground, and then the good soil. So what are you planting? What are the seeds that you are planting in your life? I often talk about issues of the heart. So what's flowing from you that's affecting or affecting or impacting someone else's life? And you know, sometimes the seeds we sow can be the words in which we speak. And with those words, sometimes it can be uplifting, at least I hope most of the time they are uplifting. And sometimes you can be talking to someone and you may feel like they're not get, getting what you're saying. It's okay. Because like life itself, we're going to come across some rocky ground, some, some grounds. We're going to come across some, you know, some roughness, some highs and some lows. However, there are times when, hey, the soil is going to be right. The soil is going to produce 
And, but just keep pressing, just keep moving forward. Do not give up. Now, each week we have a trivia question. And today's trivia question, I always, I think is pretty, you'll figure it out before the end of the show. From Dr. Will, Co Will Coleman's book, Tribal Talk. Is it about A, Black theology, hermeneutics, B, African-American ways of telling the story, C, both A and B, or D, none of the above? We'll talk about that later in the show. I'll be right back after the break. Storytelling, you know, is something that I love. And again, I am reminding you to send me your story because stories are uplifting. Stories can be inspiring. Stories can be motivating and encouraging. Today, I'm going to do a little something different. It's not a story, but however, I think the words from what I'm going to read are going, will inspire you. And the title is My Foundation. On this solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. My rock is the I am in me. I know this with an absolute certainty. It is about my faith in knowing what I believe. I, it is about my faith in knowing what I believe, I know I am multicultural and multidimensional. My creativity is not defined by who or what you think you may see in me. Instead, it is about releasing the energy and the power that the creator of the universe has given me. The solid rock is the foundation of my destinies. Houses have foundations. Some are good and some are definitely bad. Whereas those have stood the storms of life were laid with words that are holy, faithful, and true. Words that were proven by endurance and stories told and the prayers of my ancestors who told before me. 
You see, the ancestors are my greatest cloud of witnesses who paved the road for me. They are the foundation that stood up in adversity and are constantly rising and soaring from within me. Because I am the extension of who they are. And because of them, I am constantly building to set up and to launch into a world that is near and far. I must tell you how it is done. While you are here on earth, the ingredient I share is from a Bible story that I read that says, on earth like Jesus, you will be rejected. Know this, I am laid a foundation on earth for you, the rejected stone, a tested one, as you too must be. Know that you are a precious stone who has been given a sure foundation throughout eternity. You have been firmly placed and designed for great things upon the earth. Jesus is a solid foundation you and I must duplicate. On this solid rock, I stand all other ground is sinking sand. Soar into your destinies. Don't allow anyone to design the blueprint of your earthly vessel, which is your house. They don't know what God has placed in you. Pursue and seek your destiny. Build upon your legacy, your family, your ingenuity. Houses come in many designs, but the house that is of most importance when you leave the earth is divine, holy. The spaces in it cannot be duplicated. Build an eternal house. To do so and to live in it, make sure Jesus is your foundation. Our guest, I'm very excited about on today. We're going to be talking to Dr. Will Coleman. PhD Associate Professor from the Interdenominational Theological Center in Atlanta, Georgia, after our commercial break. Hey, my beautiful butterflies. I know y'all been wondering, where's Chrissy Collins and Coffee with Chrissy? Well, guess what? We are back and we're stronger than ever on E-Line TV. That's right, E-LineTV.com. Y'all, I'm so excited because on this streaming network, we're gonna be doing so much. And with Coffee with Chrissy and you, the sky's the limit. So make sure you go and subscribe to e-linetv.com. It's free right now, but the prices are going to go up. So we want you to come on and jump on board right now. I can't wait. Y'all meet me there and make sure you have your cup of coffee ready. Welcome back again. I am so excited. We have Dr. Will Coleman, PhD, Associate Professor from the Inter- Denominational Theological Center in Atlanta, Georgia. Dr. Coleman, welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So uh, to follow up on what you've already said, I uh, teach here at the Interdenominational Theological Center in Atlanta, Georgia. 
uh, primarily focusing in, in the area of theology and world religions. My uh, home of origin is Memphis, Tennessee, where I grew up and where I attended college there. And I was a religion major at Rose College. From there, I came to Decatur, Georgia, where I now reside, but I came in 1981, where I uh, pursued my Master of Divinity degree at Columbia Theological Seminary. And then after a period of oh, about three years of doing some work with the denomination, I went out to Berkeley, California, where I received my PhD with distinction at the Graduate Theological Union, focusing on, as you've already indicated, theology, philosophy, religion, uh, interpretation theory, and also uh, specifically uh, African-American spiritualities. That is African and African-American spiritualities. I have been teaching now at the ITC since uh, 2006, and I'm very proud to be a part of an Afrocentric Christian uh, institution that is open, as you were saying in your poem, open to also to other cultures, especially the broader cultures of our peoples. Thank you, Dr. Coleman. Where did your passion for researching religions come from? Uh, as a child, it, it came from reading. I was always fascinated with books. Uh, as early as uh, age 10, I recall uh, being interested very much in mythologies from around the world, as well as philosophies. And uh, I was a pretty good student in school, in elementary school, junior high and high school. So I would say my first and foremost passion came from reading uh, and becoming aware of things outside of the immediate environment in which I lived, being fascinated, as I said, with other spiritualities. And that culminated in my passion for becoming also a professor teacher of the same. I think that every uh, professor ultimately is so because he or she has been a diligent student. One of the things that you just said that it started when you were a child. And one of the things that I have learned, you know, in being older is a lot of times our purpose in life, it does start with us. It's something, a seed that's planted on the inside of us when we are very young. Some people are conscious of it, some people are not. And I think it helps even if the parent can nurture that and can see, hey, this is my child calling, um, you know, who are older and now have kids to help, you know, guide them in that direction um, in life. Because when you are where you're supposed to be, there's just so many places and journeys in life that you are able to travel in. I agree. Mm -hmm. So where in your bio, um, it mentions you are an art ordained Afrocentric Christian minister and also an African-American Babaloa of Ifa and Hogun of Vodun. Yes. Can you explain the differences between the two practices? So uh, in terms of my upbringing, I grew up in an African-American Christian church, grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, as I stated. And in the course of time, I became uh, very interested and quote unquote called to ministry. So that is the reason that I pursued religion and uh, in college, uh, part of it, and also why I had a particular major in seminary and graduate school. So the quote unquote Christian aspects of it were a part of my upbringing. At the same time, I grew up in a culture that was very, uh, I must say, ancestrally centered among my parents, my relatives, very uh, closely knit. And so I also had a sensitivity to components of our family spirituality that were not 
only Christian, but also had African roots in the church that I grew up in. But that was expressions clearly of various components of African roots that we could talk about later on. Uh, and of course, writing my dissertation, doing my research, writing my book, I became introduced to, uh, through study first, uh, the spirituality of West African or Vodun, and then also of West African Ifa, and then also their offsprings, in a way of speaking, through Haitian Vodun and through uh, African-American practitioners of Ifa, which has been spread uh, not only in West Africa, but also in Brazil, in uh, Cuba, in Puerto Rico, et cetera, other different names. And as I did those explorations, I realized that learning more about uh, African cultures and African-American cultures really gave more robustness to my own life, answered some questions that I, that I had in my own uh, search that weren't always answered, quote unquote, strictly within Christianity. And then subsequently, in pursuing those studies, I, uh, quote unquote, as you mentioned, became initiated both in uh, West African Ifa and in uh, African, uh, I would say African Haitian uh, for doom. And let me say this, I'm, you notice I'm using the word culture because traditionally these spiritualities are not called religions as such. They're called religions on this side of the Atlantic, but in, the, in our motherland, they are cultures, they are full expressions of a way of being, way of speaking, way of uh, interacting with uh, both within ourselves, the community, and what we consider to be spiritual forces. And I can say that about this culture as well. So uh, for example, we live in a Greco-Roman Greek culture that is called the United States of America. We influence the language that we speak is a cultural language from the Anglo-Saxon tradition. The days of the week, this is Friday, this is Freya's day, the German goddess of Friday. Uh, the names of streets, uh, the language that we use as I indicated, these are all cultural affectations. So when we speak of culture, culture includes spirituality. It might include religion, but uh, I just would make that one little caveat that well, when we speak of our African traditional cultures, we're speaking of cultures the same way we live in a culture right now every day. And within that culture, excuse me, we practice a particular forms of religion, Christianity, Judaism, et cetera, you know, freedom of expression of religion. Thank you. Let me put my glasses on here because we have quite a few questions and I know you have some great, great um, information for us, great knowledge. With both practices, three, if you, if you include Afrocentric Christian culture, do you find that they contradict each other or your belief? No, they don't. Uh, and I will say this uh, again, referring to my, other, my earlier comment about culture. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't see my African spiritual cultures contradicting any more than I view uh, speaking English, which is not my ancestral language, as contradictory. It is a matter of how we uh, have been brought in, up in a particular context and that we adapt ourselves to that context. And what I have, as I said earlier, what I have found that in the spirituality of Bodo and Ifa, it's more inclusive, not exclusive, but it's more inclusive of our understanding, as you did in the poem, of our relationship with the created power, or powers, of our relationship with each other, of our relationship with other sentient beings, quote unquote, we call them animals, plants, uh, minerals, that we're all part of an ecological reality through which the creator expresses itself. So no contradiction at all, matter of fact, is an enhancement. And it also gives me a deeper sense 
of uh, the various strands, especially that we as a people from West Africa coming to the Americas have found ways to retain and to enhance our lives to a broader spiritual foundation, that rock you were talking about. That's our rock. And, and the more we know about our original culture, the better we understand our original culture, the truth of the matter is, the better we practice whatever we call our specific religion. And let me just make a note about that too, beloved. Um, the word religion is, is from the Latin word religare. It means to bind. It means to bind. So I don't practice what I call a religion as such, but I am very much attuned to our cultural spiritualities mm -hmm. because spirituality does not bind. It keeps us free as we grow in life. And Dr. Coleman, one of the things that I have learned from you um, is when I'm talking to my friends now, or my associates, and even when I tell them, say to them, Christianity is a culture. <laughs> They look at me like, have something wrong with you? I'm like, no, it's a, it's, it is a culture. So that is something that I have, I'm gaining more of an awareness of and more knowledgeable of. I mean, it's, it's an eye opener. So when you learn better, you do better. So yes, 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 yes. And yes, yes. the reason that uh, sometimes might be a shock is because when you're swimming in a certain culture, you're not even aware that you're swimming in a particular culture. That's right. uh, when I've gone to China or I've gone to other parts of the world, I've been very much aware that I'm in a different culture. That's right. I'm in a different sensibility field. I'm in a different place where people speak a different language. They have different nuances, their habits, et cetera. You can see it more clearly when you step outside of your own culture. But if you're in your own culture, you're not aware that you're in a culture, that you're speaking a specific language uh, that you have uh, specific ideas about freedom and justice, et cetera, and that these have all been shaped and formed over centuries of enculturation. And you're born in it, so you can't recognize it. In an article published by the Baltimore Sun, it stated that, like some other religions, Ifa includes magic, the use of traditional medicines and veneration of the dead. When people hear magic, they mostly think spells and things appearing out of nowhere. Can you mm -hmm. give an example of what that looks like, feels like, sounds like? So first and foremost, that's a misnomer. And thank you for that. Because when we think of magic, we already have uh, associations uh, tied to that, as you said, spells, candles, uh, sometimes doing, quote unquote, things that may be unseemly. They attach to the word magic. Uh, again, African spiritual cultures in, in their uh, essence do not practice magic. They practice elements of mysticism, that is, discovering the spiritual power that is inherent in all things. Uh, it is true, but as it is in Christianity, you got people who have issues and you got people who are unbalanced. And so you may have different types of practitioners, but the, the basic philosophy, for example, of Ifa and the ethics of Ifa is to develop what we call Iwapuele. And I'm doing this intentionally because it's important to use the words that are used in the culture, not the words that are used from outside the culture trying to interpret it. So it's not the term, quote, quote unquote, magic, it's developing Iwapuele. Iwapuele means developing good character. It means uh, discerning what is right. It means understanding or reciprocity. What you sow, as you said earlier again, 
is a consequence and will uh, deliver that which you will reap. So the better you understand those laws of reciprocity, for example, the better you also will be able to practice what we call iwapwele, develop your character. In that um, spiritual, spiritual tradition and spirituality, you do have different rituals and liturgies that individuals and groups participate in as we do in Christianity. And the, but the overall uh, purpose is again, to develop good character, not to practice quote unquote magic. It is now time for a commercial break, but we will continue our conversation with Dr. Will Coleman after the break. Hi, I'm your host, Angel Silicell, the host of Totally Heal Talk Show. Remember, be healthy, be healed, and there's always hope in Christ. Catch my show on e-linetv.com. Welcome back, viewers. We are continuing with our interview with Dr. Will Coleman. Dr. Coleman, religion, in some cases, is a sensitive subject. And I know you've told us culture, culture, culture. I, we hear you. Why do you think that is? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I just, I'm laughing because it's almost in the word itself. Remember I said earlier that religion comes from a Latin word, which means religare, which means yes. to bind. Yes. And binding process, uh, consciously and unconsciously, we tend to be indoctrinated into certain ways of thinking and being in that indoctrination includes our emotions. It includes our, 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 our lifestyle that we've cultivated. And because of that, uh, we people become very much invested in what we have come to know and the way that we have come to know it. And it, sometimes it is a challenge or it could be a challenge for us to, to ease up on that, what we've been told and to discover some things for ourselves in this wonderful age of information. And because that investment of time, investment of money, and investment of, of emotional energy and content and psychic content, there's a tendency to want to hold on sometimes to the point of, uh, of being coercive uh, rather than to, from my point of view, recognize that what you should do is, is relax and, uh, and, and allow yourself to, to experience and even hear other points of view. And then to examine for yourself, not only what you were told, but examine and discover for yourself well, what truth is, and especially what truth will mean for you and how that would look and how you will conduct yourself. And I think we're in an age where increasingly that is the case because we have more information and we have more access to a world a real, in real time or global context than previous generations had. So spirituality, uh, I think, is more fruitful because it also can include the rituals, the doctrines, et cetera but not in a manner, a manner that I think is binding. Okay. Um, again, in your bio, it states that your passion for discovering, reviving, retaining, and transmitting African-American spiritualities continues to inspire both uh, academic and your personal life. Can you comment yeah. on that? Absolutely. So in addition to uh, what I've described, what I've said about being a practitioner of the cultures of Ifa and Bodum, I am a Christian. Uh, I grew up in a Christian home, so I, I am a Christian. 
And also I am a professor, as I stated, the world of uh, religion, but also Christianity. So the most exciting thing that I've discovered uh, and, and share with my students is the importance of understanding that the very book that we call the Bible is an African originated book. Now this is hidden from us because of the English translation. But once you begin to explore, as I have, the original languages of, of Hebrew, of, uh, of Greek, and of Latin that all, in this particular case, come from Northeast Africa, you begin to realize it's an African book in its origin. Why so? Because the, of the landmass. If you pick up the book and get a map, you'll see that what's being described in it takes place in Northeast Africa, uh, some parts of, uh, even as far as India, but it's Afro-Asiatic landmass for what we call Old Testament. We get to what we call New Testament is Afro-European. It's around Palestine and around the Mediterranean Sea. All right, people, uh, stop watching TV, stop watching documentaries, but that's foolishness. Get and do some research on original uh, carvings and original paintings from the time period of persons who depicted themselves, quote unquote, as Egyptians, as Assyrians, or depicted themselves as uh, Babylonians, depicted themselves as Persians. And you're going to see, without any doubt, Afro-Asiatic and Afro-European people who are carved in the catacombs uh, of the early Christian era, quote unquote, Yeshua and his disciples had no doubt as African men, Mary as an African woman. That's why the Catholic Church has the black Madonna now because she is black. And then finally, languages. Then this is the most rewarding piece. When you take the time to begin to study this text in the original Hebrew, which is Afro-Asiatic, and you can hear the tempo of it, and you can understand the rhythm of it, when you read the Greek, which is not just regular Greek, but it's Greek of a particular region of North uh, East Africa, that's Alexandria. It was called Koine Greek, the Greek of both the Old Testament translated into Greek and then what became the New Testament. When you read the early writings of the quote unquote church fathers and church mothers, I'd add to it, in the Latin, that too is a Latin from North Africa. So again and again and again, even the language we speak and the alphabet that we use, that we call English, is ultimately from Africa in its form that we now have uh, preserved it. So that is the thing that I find most exciting to share with my students, as you know, and that's my basic template. When you can recover the, the consciousness of and the evidence of this book that is spread around the world and been translated into all these different languages, <laughs> it's already Northeast Africa. That is a, a just absolutely amazing. And how many people don't even know or realize that because they don't have access to the original text. They're looking at a translation. And if you look only at a translation, you're gonna think that it's English, but it's not. English comes late, 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 late in the game. And I said this to my students, when Moses, quote unquote, and Yeshua was speaking, English did not exist on the planet. I need that to say again. English did not exist on the planet. There were no Anglo-Saxon Jutes and, um, uh, others who had a literary language that had been developed yet. In fact, their languages developed out of the ones I just noted, Hebrew, Greek, Latin, and then enhanced, quote unquote, in a way of speaking, by their own particular dialects and by their own particular culture. It's an African book. Therefore, the religions that emerged are African originated. As humanity is, we can go, we don't have to stop there. <laughs> humanity. Everybody walk on this planet. 
Mm-hmm. Came from Africa. And he <laughs> so, was left or right. Dr. Coleman, I'm, I'm laughing. <laughs> I'm excited I, about that. Everybody on this planet resonated for one African woman. Okay. <laughs> Since this is Women's Month. I am I'm laughing, Dr. Coleman, because last uh, season in, during the African Connection segment, I tried, you know, I talk about that segment of being about the origins of humanity and everything birthed out of Africa. And I said, and Dr. Will Coleman, blah, 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 the land, language, and the people. And so, yes. but of course, as viewers, he articulates and he goes in much more depth than I can. And so that's okay. Was, You're a good student. <laughs> I don't say get the message. <laughs> Definitively. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay, let's see. Where are we with, okay. As a professor at the Interdenominational Theological Center, what is a common question concern you hear from your students? Almost some of the same questions that you've raised. Some of the same questions that you've raised. Okay. Uh, and, and but what's beautiful about it is that I find that when I present this specific template that I just shared with you, that students are very receptive to knowing more about other ways of thinking about the text and the traditions we've been given, and also are inspired. That's the key, inspired to do their own research, not just take my words, but check it out. I remember, I'll give you a, a, a perfect example. Mm-hmm. On one occasion, I was doing an online uh, class and I had uh, people online as well as people in the congregation on the book of Revelation. And at the end of this session, I had my granddaughter, another family member was present. She was about 18 at the time. When I finished, she said, granddaddy, you all right? I said, baby, what you mean I'm all right? She said, the whole time you were talking, I was checking you out on my phone. And to see what you were saying, if it was the case. Now that right there, <laughs> the, the, I mean, hear what that sounds like. I'm the preacher, right? And I'm the teacher. But my eight-year-old grandbaby was checking and could fact check me on the spot on everything that I was saying to see whether or not that rang true with a broader resource of knowledge base. I applaud her for that then and now. And I applaud all young people who don't just take our word quote unquote, who, who check it out because uh, sometimes unfortunately we know we've been given misinformation by people who do not intend well for us and this is a wonderful age to correct that that's right in your publication tribal talk listen to this question viewers in your publication Dr. Coleman tribal talk black theology hermeneutics and African American ways of telling the story. Can you give us a synopsis on what the book is about and your reason for writing it? Yeah, the cue is in the title itself. Let's take it phrase by phrase, tribal talk. When I say tribal talk, I'm talking about the ways in which African Americans people speak and tell their story. Mm-hmm. I'm not only here in the United States, but again, throughout the diaspora. Black theology is a particular form of quote-unquote theology or God talk, God reflection that takes as primary the origins and the, the feelings and the thoughts of our African-descended people. Hermeneutics, someone asked me about this earlier. Hermeneutics is just a fancy word that means interpretation, how we interpret something, how we read it, how we understand it, how we apply it. Ways of telling the story. I'll take that from Black preaching. Tell the story. So all these uh, components to the title tell you something about the book. 
The book itself was inspired by my research and by my own, I guess you'd say, quest of what we spoke about earlier, of where do we come from? What are our roots? And so as I did research on our cultural roots in West Africa, I did a comparison between West African narratives of the 1930s that talked about, quote unquote, uh, Vodun, which means mysteries, by the way, that word itself means mysteries about Vodun, with uh, corresponding narratives from the 1920s and 30s from formerly enslaved persons who talked about their daily experiences, which included their spiritual experiences. What I found out was that the, that the comparison between those was amazing. I found that people who so-called were illiterate had retained many of their ancestral traditions. I found out that they had the courage and the power to shape their own form of Christianity. They shaped it in the bush harbor. When at night they had finished working all day, they found secret places to go and pray and talk to the creator in their own way. And out of that, actually, the black church emerged. It, it emerged out of the bushes of our, our ancestors. So uh, in another sense, my book, I discovered later on because I was writing it as a scholar, I thought, but I also discovered later on that it's family biography, that it was really also a depiction of my own family's journey and the way in which we uh, emerged and became aware of Christianity, but also the way in which we maintained and still maintain our African culture. So the book turned out to be, you know, twofold, an academic text about the journey of a people, but also a personal reflection on my own family. Dr. Coleman, we are about to run out of time for this segment. So will you please let our viewers know how they can contact you? Easily, just W Coleman, PhD 33. That's W C O L E M A N, uh, PhD, and then 33 at gmail.com. W Coleman, PhD at gmail.com. Thank you, viewers, for hanging in here with us. We're having a great interview with Dr. Will Coleman. We're about to go on a commercial break. Don't go anywhere because he is going to present the African Connection. Yay. See you after the break. Welcome back viewers. We are having an exciting show. Today we have Dr. Will Coleman and he is going to take over and bring some whew, great information during our African connection, Dr. Coleman. So I'd like to begin, uh, I'm gonna do two readings, two selections. One is from my book, as we alluded to earlier called Tribal Talk. 
uh, Black theology hermeneutics in African-American ways of telling the story. This is the opening chapter. The chapter is entitled Pouring Ancestral Libations, The Coming of the Bodum. And this is a segment about the quote unquote original creator, creatrix in this narrative. So I'm gonna read it and then I'll say a few words about it. And then I'm gonna make a switch and, and uh, read something also from the tradition of Ifa. So the first tradition that I'm gonna to speak to here is from the tradition of West African Vodun. Now, Baluku, the original creatrix creator, the world was created by a being who was at once male and female. This being was neither Ma Wu nor Lisa, but one named Nana Baluku. Nana Baluku alone created the world. She bore twins. And when they grew up, uh, she divided the kingdom between them. To Ma Wu, the woman, she gave command of night. And to Lisa, the man, she gave command of day. Ma Wu, who is the Moon lives in the west, and Lisa, the sun in the east. Mahu the woman is older, hence kindly, so that when she reigns, humankind rests, whereas Lisa, the man, is young and impetuous, condemning humankind to toil when he rules. In time, Mahu and Lisa bore children, the oldest being Sagbo, and darkness like Nanabaluku. Next, came a pair of twins known under the joint name of Sakbata, and another pair known as Akabe followed these. After these came Gu, Ajay, Deji, Wete, Meje, Luku, Azu, Akazu, Alawe, Ajapa, and Ayaba. Here's my commentary. I have read the above quotation as a West African prologue on creation. In the beginning, there was Nanabaluku. From this androgynous being, all creation was generated. Then there was Mawulisa, Nanabaluku's twins. From them were generated the major Vodun. These are the spirits of ancient Dahomey, modern-day Benin, who are also known as the initiators of the mysteries. And that's the key. Boto means mysteries. In fact, mysteries is synonymous for Vodun. So the term Vodun refers to these ancient primordial spirits or mysterious energies, as well as to the exploits the things that they do, and the rituals that are associated with them, both individually and collectively. Therefore, to know Vodun is to be familiar with the metaphysics, that is what, what's underneath what we see, the seen and unseen, the metaphysics of these creation myths and the epistemology, that means ways of knowing, how we understand things, surrounding particular rituals. As we shall see, the Vodun, is the multifaceted reality that is personified as spirits and that animates everything in the universe. So let me just back up and say some other things that are significant here. What this is, um, uh, is saying is several things that our West African culture, our West African ancestral culture, uh, have, uh, believed in one supreme being. Well, this is called Nambaluka in this case. One supreme being who brings everything into existence. This supreme being then 
as it were, gives charge to another tier of beings called Mawu Lisa, and those are the balance that the supreme being is described as both male and female, not just male, not just female, but as male and female in a very natural but powerful way. Then Mawulisa, the second tier, uh, also are twins. And then they give birth to a set of what I call seven offspring who represent powers and forces of nature, essentially. They represent macrocosmic powers that then shape and form uh, humans. And I don't like to call them animals. I call them other sentient beings and plants and minerals. So everything is within the, an ecology of existence. And this is why the term uh, is not voodoo, it's voodoo. As I said, it means mysteries. The mysteries of how the universe works, how it came into existence, etc. It's described in this mythology that our ancestors and their wisdom, quote unquote, so-called non-literate people, but who had a different form of literacy, uh, inscribed and preserved the traditions and traditions that not only well in West Africa, but when our ancestors were brought across the Atlantic Ocean, also preserved in different other places. And as I said earlier, Brazil, and um, especially in Haiti, we have Haitian Voto. So this is an illustration, again, of culture and spirituality that many of us might not even be aware of and how um, inclusive it is and how encompassing it is. So as I said earlier, from this uh, point, then I went on to explore other aspects of the spirituality uh, make comparisons between it and between the narratives from our ancestors who had been free, quote unquote, from their uh, period of bondage and who were recollecting aspects of what they believed as Christians, to be sure, but also as uh, the broader culture that was not unquote necessarily Christian, but was what we call hoodoo. And what does that mean? They practice uh, root medicine, how to heal. They practice observation of the forces of nature. Um, they practice uh, ways in which they could tell by signs, etc., how they should govern their lives. So although these were fragmented here in the United States, quote unquote, they still were retentions of this West, one of our West African spiritual traditions. The second uh, selection I would like to read from is from uh, a kinship tradition. Remember we said at the beginning that I have uh, uh, been initiated both in Vodun and also Ifa. The tradition of Ifa is from modern day Nigeria. At the time, it was called Yoruba land. I'm just going to read two segments here and talk about them a bit. One that pertains to the, um, the ancestors who were called Egun. The other one that pertains to the Ori, which is our own intelligence. Because in our ancestral spirituality, we believe that our mind is a divine being correct, connected directly to the creator. The first one in Yoruba and then in English. Egungun kiki egungun, praise to the medians of the ancestors. Egun ekuraran fair awukupepe, ancestors who have preserved the mysteries of featherless flight. Oda so bofune wo egunku bata bongwe gunde. You, that is the ancestors, create the words of reverence and power. The drums of the ancestors announce the arrival of the ancestors. Biabafia torinale. On the strong mat, you, that is, spread your power, the ancestors, the ancestors are here. So this is a, a, a way of recognizing, a way of giving praise to and acknowledging that our ancestors are the ones who are in us 
who stay with us and who also teach us uh, things that we learn in life, uh, both consciously and unconsciously. So this is called an oriki. Oriki means praise to head or praise to the consciousness of our ancestors. The second part that's very important is uh, an oriki to the ori. And <laughs> I got to smile when I say this, because as we know, many African-American sisters are very particular about their head and their hair. And this is, uh, again, this is natural. Don't everybody, don't, you know, don't touch my head, et cetera. In our African spiritual tradition, the head is considered, and what's inside of it, is considered to be something that you chose before you came into this realm of existence. And it, it represents the, the, the calling, really, what we say in our church language, it represents that calling that you had and that you chose and that you selected before you were born. And then as you come into this life, you are seeking to fulfill your calling that you chose before you came here in your path and in the things that you do, things that you read, things that you adjust to, things that you modify, et cetera. This is called the Ori, Ori in uh, uh, West African spirituality. And it is customary to actually hold the Ori and while saying this particular, uh, you can say praise, like a Psalms. Ori, pelea tete nirana tete jibe nikosa. Koso osara yen ori eni head or consciousness, I call you, you who always uh, quickly blesses your own, you who blesses a person before any other spirit. No spirit blesses a person without the permission of the head. What it says is that first and foremost, if you don't know the name of any other spirit, if you don't know the name of ancestors, any other powers, you were given this by the creator and not only by the creator you selected this before you were born and this will always guide you if you will pay attention to how it uh, communicates with you and especially pay attention to what we now call intuition or first mind that's your ori that's your ori to guide you and so this is the way uh, this particular praise of recognizing the, your ori now the other parts of the West African spirituality of Ifa include what we call Orishas. Orishas are considered to be um, forces in nature that are around us. Our ancestors were not stupid; they didn't worship these. They, no, 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 no. They respected and gave names to these powers of thunder and lightning, etc. Let me just read some of their names uh, for you. This, called, this part is called Ibashe. I give respect Ibashe to Olodumare, the owner of the womb of creation. Ashe, Eshu, the divine messenger, Ashe, Ori, my inner consciousness, Ashe, Odu, the mysterious hidden power, Ashe, Orumila, the spirit of destiny and the prophet of the messenger, Bifa, Ogun, the path opener and cultivator, Obatala, the king of the white cloth and the one who shapes our bodies and our heads, uh, Olokun, the unlimited ocean from which all life arises, Oshun, the honey of life. She's the feminine power that makes everything possible because she's the sweetness of life. Oya, the wind and the storm of transformation. Shango, the thunder and lightning that comes with the wind and storm of transformation. Uh, Yamonja, the mother of the fish that provides food for us, among other things. Osayan, the medicinal alchemist, the knowledge of roots and plants, etc., that can be used for healing. Ochozi, the power of insight. And then the Ibeji, the twins. Twins are considered to be very special in African spirituality because obviously they seem to have extrasensory uh, perceptive powers. And then it goes on. And then this concludes this way, this particular blessing. It says, Iburu, Iboye, 
Iboshe. So you're saying, uh, to, you can say this to an elder, you can say this to the ancestors, you can say this to um, uh, other agents of creation. Iboru Iboye Iboshe. Take my burden from the earth and offer it to heaven. Ashe, Ashe, Asheo. Ashe means it is so, it is so, it is so. But Ashe also means we make it so. We make it so. We make it so. And let me add one other thing. In our African uh, spiritual traditions, we don't have a doctrine, quote unquote, of sin. Rather, we have, the, as I said earlier, an understanding that you will reap what you sow. If you want good things, sow good things. If you want unbalanced things, sow balanced things. But even so, even in that case, if you want to correct it, correct it. <laughs> When you, when you have knowledge of what is correct and proper, you don't need to be a petition, quote unquote. What you need to do is make that which is off balance on balance. And you have the power to do that because you have the power of the all encompassing creative being. You have the power of the ori that has been given to you. You have the power of your ancestors that are inside of you. And you have the assistance of the knowledge of how the forces and powers of nature work and operate. So those are two samples. One, again, from the tradition of West African Vodun that inspired all of my work, uh, my graduate work, and eventually, as I said, had, I got initiated into Vodun. The other one from Eva. And I just might add, by the way, that I have co-produced a book, and I can send the link on uh, an open source book, online open source book, entitled uh, African Traditional Religions Ifa through the Atlanta University uh, uh, Library. And we are so pleased because globally, we have had to date over 101,000 inquiries into this text. Now let me put that in perspective. Over In nine months, we've had over 101,000 inquiries into the text. A good measure for anybody is 10,000 hits in 12 months. So we have far exceeded any expectations. And it just says that more and more people do want to know about our African spiritualities in this day and time for such a time as this. And here I pause and yield to any other questions that you or others might have. But I just want to give you two samples of, of the comprehensive nature of our culture, our culture, that many of our younger people I might add are recovering. Dr. Coleman, we are out of time. However, we are hoping that you will come back to us soon for part two, because you have such a plethora of this amazing, of so much knowledge. Our trivial question was, in Dr. Will Coleman's book, Tribal Talk, is it about A, Black theology and hermeneutics, B, African American ways of telling the story, C, A and B, or D, none of the above? The answer is C, both A and B. Very easy. Viewers, thank you so much for watching our show on today. And remember, our podcast platforms are iHeartRadio, Apple, and Spotify. And you may watch our show on e-linetv.com. Remember to visit my website. I want to hear from you at yueexpressions.com. And before I go, you know what I'm getting ready to say. It's time for you to get up, to get moving, and to live. 
it's time for you to live your life. I'll see you next week. Thank you, viewers.